Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of B2B Better, a podcast for the B2B marketer who wants to be better than boring. My name is Jason, and I'm a senior director of marketing for a B2B tech company over here in the UK. And this is a special episode. It's the big 1-0. That's right. It's number 10 of this little project that I started all the way back in August. And I just want to take a second and say to everyone that's listened to the podcast over the last couple of months, to the guests that have given up their valuable time to appear on the podcast, everyone who's promoted it on Twitter, LinkedIn, who's dropped me emails with their support, just a huge thank you. My wife likes to joke sometimes that, you know, over the last 10 years that she's known me and that we've been together, that I've started 100 projects and, and never seen any of them through. And, and this one, I feel like it's got some real traction. And I think that's just because of the support I've received from the marketing world. So thank you very much. Before I introduce the guest and the topic of today's episode, I want to let you know that I've also launched a weekly newsletter called The B2B Byte, where I break down the most interesting stories from the world of B2B marketing into fun size, actionable chunks each Monday. So if you like this podcast, I think you'll get something out of it. I'm going to drop the link where you can subscribe in the description of this episode, and I hope you enjoy that as well. Anyway, let's get started. So look, B2B marketing can be a little bit boring sometimes. It can be a little bit stuffy. It can be a little bit dull. Companies think that their customers are other companies, which they are, but they forget that there's a person signing the check. Someone who clocks off at 5 p.m., cracks open a bottle of wine, and watches a rerun of Friends for the thousandth time. So in this episode, I sat down with Brianne Fleming, who's host of the famous Pop Chat on Twitter and Making the Brand podcast, to talk about how businesses can inject some fun into their messaging by leveraging pop culture, whilst not dropping the ball on hitting things like their MQL target or producing great thought leadership. So we dug a little bit into things like what do brands get out of leveraging pop culture to promote their message? Is there an opportunity for every type of B2B business to leverage pop culture in order to stand out from the crowd? How can brands find a relevant link to pop culture without sounding corny? And if you are a B2B marketer who's looking to incorporate pop culture into your marketing strategy, how do you do so in a way that makes the business case with your CEO and your leadership team? Really fun episode. I haven't spoken about Backstreet Boys before on this podcast, but I was glad that I did it today. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. So here we go. So today I'm very excited to be joined by Brianne Fleming, who is host of the famous Pop Chat and Making the Brand podcast. How are you doing, Brianne? <laughs> I'm doing well. That's very kind of you to say that Pop Chat is famous because it's been a long journey building it. I only had three people join it in the beginning. So it's great to see that it's growing and I'm really glad that you, you've been a part of it. So Absolutely. thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I remember like, um, we were talking a bit about this before the call, you know, I remember joining it back in August and it was just a handful of people and just seeing it grow, you know, alongside what you're doing for your podcast and what you're doing on Twitch now and your newsletter. And, you know, you're just developing a fantastic brand for yourself all around pop culture. And I'm really excited because today is the, the 10th episode. We're recording the 10th episode of B2B Better. And uh, you were one of the first people that I spoke to about launching this podcast on Twitter DMs yeah. uh, back in August. So glad that uh, you're the person that I have on as a, as a guest as we move into double digits. Yes, quite a milestone. And I'm hoping you get to 100 episodes soon because just the subject matter for this podcast is helpful to so many people. So I'm excited to see how you grow it. I'm keen to dig into into you and your brand because as we've already alluded to, you know, over the last couple of years, you've just done a fantastic job in weaving this narrative around around you as a marketer that, you know, pop culture, that's your jam. And I think there's a lot that the B2B world can, can learn from you 
and from pop culture in general in a way to enhance their messaging. And we're going to talk a bit about that. Before, before we dive in, tell us a little bit about you. How did you get started? What do you do? Um, you know, tell, tell us the story. Yeah, well, pop culture is a big part of that story. And it really was a light bulb moment for me because I was doing marketing. I was climbing a corporate ladder for a few years um, doing brand management for a brand that I loved. I decided to take a leap and try to pursue my own business, freelancing, the podcast. But while I was doing that, I was also simultaneously teaching online courses for the University of Florida. So I was doing that when I quit my corporate job and all of a sudden I kind of had to look in the mirror and say, where do I want to go from here? I, at the time, had a blog about pop culture that was just for fun. It didn't have any marketing angle to it at all. So I said, okay, maybe I should just keep doing this blog even though it doesn't really feel, um, it's not necessarily academic, which isn't what I was going for, but it wasn't really educational. It was more of like a lifestyle pop culture blog. So I said, okay, I could keep pursuing that, see if I could build that into any into anything. Um, I could do the freelance thing. I'm also a professor. So I had this identity crisis where I loved pop culture, but I also felt like I had to portray this also buttoned up marketing persona if I wanted to get my own clients and I'm also a professor by day. So I ended up creating three different Instagram accounts, three different websites, one that was personal, one for the pop culture stuff and one for the marketing persona that I wanted to present. And it was just exhausting. I felt like three different versions of myself. And it wasn't until I combined those two and used pop culture as an opportunity to package my messaging about marketing. It just felt more true to who I was, but also helped me stand out. And I, I do think there's an alignment there with B2B brands because they, they may feel how I felt as a, as a professor at a university that I always needed to be buttoned up and, you know, portray this super polished version of myself where I found that the pop culture really humanized me and helped me find my voice. So I think B2B brands, you know, I think we think of them as being up in these corporate ivory towers where they also may be able to use pop culture to humanize themselves like I have. Absolutely. And you've kind of jumped ahead of me and, and, and already started answering my first question, right? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's okay. Because that, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how can B2B brands that, as you say, traditionally do act corporate and buttoned up and a little bit gray. That's how I describe it. Um, mm. How can they stand out from the crowd and differentiate? You know, all, all brands, all companies, all organizations, particularly this year, you know, have really had to find ways to connect with their customers in ways that perhaps they've never had to before and to stand out mm -hmm. from the crowd. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about that and, and, and the power that leveraging pop culture can bring to a brand. I mean, obviously you see a lot in B2C, right? So mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, you know, Beyonce, Peloton partnership, yeah. you know, um, in researching a little bit for this podcast, I watched an amazing ad with Macaulay Culkin reprising his role from Home Alone to promote uh, Google Assistant a couple of years ago. Uh -huh. uh, Michael Jordan, Nike, you know, like these are all famous examples of how brands have, you know, leveraged pop culture to promote themselves. What, what do you think that, why are they doing that, right? Why, why are brands leveraging pop, 
culture to promote their message? I think pop culture is an opportunity to show your voice as a brand and to connect with your audience based on what they already love. It's called popular culture for a reason. It's because your audience is dictating what's popular. So if you can tap into things they already love, things that they're talking about, watching, reading, listening to, you're more likely to create a connection with them. And I think with B2B, business to business, doesn't mean you have to be all business, right? You can still have fun, still have a a voice, and still participate in current events and cultural topics that are happening. You don't have to act like your brand exists in this corporate bubble. There are things happening every day in the news that they could chime in on and participate in. I think it's also a large part about kind of, you know, activating those emotional triggers, right? So like thinking about the Macaulay Culkin example, we all watched Home Alone when we were kids. And we're going to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about kind of the demographics of B2B buyers in, in a bit. But we all remember watching Home Alone. It was a big part of our, certainly a big part of my childhood and um, watching mm-hmm. all the sequels as well. And when you see him promoting something like reprising his role to a degree and seeing him uh, use it to kind of promote a product like Google Assistant, that's an emotional trigger that that's something mm-hmm. that is you're scrolling through your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed and, and you see him and he's promoting that you're going to stop and watch it. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, have you heard about the creative curve by Alan Gannett? It's, it's a book, but it's also a, a concept. Um, are you familiar with that? No, tell me about it. So I, the Macaulay Culkin example makes me think of that because the creative curve speaks to this sweet spot where you present a creative message, but you're at this sweet spot of something new, but also familiar. So, so Google assistant, they could have just put a a message out there and told them about this new product, but they attached it to something we're familiar with, which is home alone and Macaulay Culkin. And I think that's why pop culture works so well because we recognize what it, what it is when we're seeing it and it inspires us to keep learning about it, to, to, keep reading it, keep watching it, whatever it might be, because it feels comfortable and familiar. And for B2B brands, it's an interesting way to introduce a product, especially one that may be complex or really technical. If you can attach it to something familiar like pop culture is and does, your audience is going to be more likely to watch it, but also have a better understanding of it. And also share it, right? Because if you, yeah. if you, can, if you can strike that virality kind of you know gold mine if you can tap it you mm-hmm. can you can strike it big you know you get enough people watching it and sharing it with their friends i mean they may not all be and family they may not all be potential buyers of your b2b product or service or solution but the point is is that you're getting it in front of people and you're mm-hmm. increasing the net of eyeballs that potentially could watch it absolutely especially with trending topics or you know just speaking to what people are already talking about and that nostalgia factor also is huge definitely prime for shareability so do you think that every b2b business can can leverage pop culture to get their message out there you know i think for some i think for some people listening to this podcast who maybe work in software in particular saas you know the the, the links make more sense perhaps you know maybe there's more of a 
creative marketing mindset within the organization that would facilitate that kind of uh that kind of risk perhaps to 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 mm-hmm. you know unbutton the jacket so to speak and use pop yeah. culture to, to to get a message out there um but then you know perhaps there is someone who works in industrial you know uh agricultural equipment and they're thinking how the hell am I going to find a way to to align <laughs> myself with pop culture do you think it works for every business or can work for every business when I think of pop culture, I think of music, movies, TV, and I think that's what everyone really thinks of, but it should never feel forced. But the caveat I want to mention is if going the, the music, music, and TV route feels a little inauthentic for whatever your brand might be, I would recommend looking at just current events. What's happening in the news? Is there something familiar that your audience knows about that you can insert your brand into that narrative and provide more context. Um, It's not a B2B example, but um, one that comes to mind is this law firm. I saw that they did an article explaining a legal term. I forgot what it was exactly, but they wrote about it within the context of the uh, college admission scandal here in the U.S. with Lori Loughlin and Mm -hmm. all those celebrities that, um, you know, paid off people to let their daughters into USC and other universities. And that was a way where they could have written that blog post and just spoken about this this legal term, but because they wrapped it up into something that was current and people were curious about and reading about and wanting to learn more about, it presented the topic in a way that people were genuinely more interested in. So I think no matter your industry, there are going to be those things in in the news that you can have a point of view on as well to increase the likelihood of people reading it, watching it, or listening to it. Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about the 21st century B2B buyer. Um, who do they? Who are they? What do they look like? Um, and why would B2B brands that are leveraging pop culture in their messaging resonate with them? So I was, I was looking up a little bit of research before this before this recording, and the fact of the matter is, is that increasingly so, millennials are making up the majority of B2B buyers nowadays. People born between 1980 and 1995, you know, they're, they're accounting for around three quarters, uh, or they're contributing, I should say, to around three quarters of all B2B purchasing decisions. You know, mm-hmm. those are people like you and me, you know, who, who grew up watching Home Alone and, and things like yes. that. Yet so many B2B organizations uh, st- are still marketing their wares as if their customers don't have the internet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's true. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly, I'm certainly familiar with B2B brands, and you know, I'm sure listeners to this podcast would resonate with this, who yeah. are still employing the same B2B marketing tactics that they've been doing for the last 10, 20, 30 years that they've been in existence, going to the same trade shows and taking out the same mm-hmm. ads in the same trade magazines and digital, right? Just digital marketing has just opened up a world of opportunity for B2B brands to exploit pop pop culture, to get their messaging across to brand new buyers who are on their phones when they clock off from work, who are scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through Twitter, you know, consuming online. That type, that way of thinking and communicating just doesn't work on us because we grew up in a generation where we didn't have to answer cold calls or cold emails. We are the age or the millennials are the age of the empowered uh, consumer where we're the ones who are able to do our own research and consume the messages that we want 
when we want them versus having to listen to some of those traditional messaging because we had the options growing up to, to do our own research. So we immediately tune out those messages that one, we weren't necessarily looking for and two, just bore us to death. So you can't proceed with that way of thinking and if I do say so myself, I do think millennials are a pretty witty, uh, humorous type of generation. You know, we're, we, I don't know what research would say, but we, we really kind of started the, the meme culture and, and helped amplify that. So you have to appeal to us in a way that speaks our language. And I think humor is something that one we should start seeing more with b2b and just overall personality we don't respond to robotic messaging we want something authentic genuine maybe even a little funny every now and then we want messaging that has personality so absolutely i think brands need to start making that shift and that's why i'm so glad you have this podcast because hopefully they're starting to hear it and we need to get some millennials behind the marketing of those brands too and even gen z just so they are understanding what works now and i also think this demographic it's it's not i think there's a misconception in b2b that it needs to be all about the product right it needs to be all about the service um, or the solution mm -hmm. that you're selling but increasingly more so in B2C and in B2B, buyers are concerned about the brand, right? And they mm. are, that what resonates with them is the brand equally alongside the product. And more, yeah. you know, you only have to look at the events that have happened this year to realize that building brand equity and doing so in a way that pokes your head out from the rest of your competition who are doing all the kind of same stuff they've been doing for the last two, three decades. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to separate the winners and the losers, uh, in my opinion, uh, over, the, over the coming years. It's the ones that are not necessarily looking at every uh, investment, marketing investment that they're making as something that can directly impact the bottom line, can directly mm -hmm. impact revenue. Building a brand, building awareness, positioning, creative, finding ways to standing out, stand out from your competition, doing things that they're not even thinking about. Yeah. That is just as important as selling a new feature benefit and you know, using that to drive free drive the drive free trials or new demos. You know, what are you doing that's going to cement you in the mind of your customer so that you know, whether they're ready to buy today or they're ready to buy a year from today, when they need what you offer, they're thinking about you. Yeah. And I think brands need to be in it for the long game then, because it's about adding value and creating communications that won't necessarily generate an immediate sale or create that ROI right away. You have to really be in it for the long game and provide value even if someone isn't your customer yet, even if they're not in buying mode, depending on what the service is, is there a tool that you could offer to the person that's in this position that would benefit them? And even if they're not ready to buy, they're still being introduced to you, you're still helping them. And 
when they are ready to buy or ready to change their software or whatever it might be, hopefully you'll be top of mind. And I think a lot of businesses don't realize how long it can actually take. They want that immediate gratification. But I think if you change that mindset and say, what can I offer to this person, even if they're not ready to buy from me right now, how can I help them? Because that's going to create that goodwill and make them more likely to buy from us when they are ready. Absolutely. And it so well serves the what is typically a B2B buyer's journey, which is a long-term one, right? You know, yeah. companies that I've worked for, we're talking multi-million dollar deals that aren't going to be sold off the back of a blog post or a nice Twitter ad or whatever, right? It's something right. that's going to take a long time with a lot of different people. And you need to be creating these moments across a year or two years or three years or however long it takes for your customer to be ready to buy from you. That's just keeping you at the forefront of their mind. Um, And, uh, and yeah, I think, I think pop culture is a great way to, to do that. And I want to be clear on something I said a moment ago, which is about, you know, not everything needs to hit uh, revenue directly, not mark every marketing activity has to hit revenue directly because um, I, I tweeted this a couple of, a couple of weeks ago and it was my best performing tweet to date. Um, not oh. huge numbers, but it got over a thousand likes, which was the first for me. Wow. I, yeah. And I like that, but um, you know, I, I, I did have some flack of people, you know, particularly from the B2B, B2B world who, you know, thought I was crazy. And what I'm not, what I'm saying, what I'm not saying is that you should, do marketing in B2B without a strategy, or you should do marketing in B2B without measuring. I'm just saying that there is absolute need for B2B brands to invest in brand equity that may not necessarily translate to revenue or hit the bottom line immediately. You know, Mm -hmm. how are you tracking your perception and your understanding of your brand in the market? That's yes. kind of what I'm saying rather than, you know, you should just be doing cool pop culture things you know, on a whim <laughs> for, the, for the sake of it, right? Right, right. There has to be a method to the madness. And really, I think pop culture, as I mentioned, it's, it's an understanding of your audience. So the more that you can know your audience, listen to them, engage with them and understand who they are. Sometimes that may mean a pop culture reference, but it's also just understanding about their needs, what they're looking for, where they are in the customer journey and appealing to them based on whatever they may need in that moment. And you, you're absolutely right. The customer journey for B2B usually is pretty long. And you reminded me of, um, I used to do marketing for a home builder. And that is also an incredibly long customer journey, obviously buying a home, a new home that you have to wait to to be built. And my boss always used to say, she, she said, we're not selling people a sweater. You know, they're buying a house. So obviously they're not going to read a blog post and want to buy a house tomorrow necessarily. They might come look. They might come look again in three months. They might need to wait until they get married or there's some big milestone or they get another job. There's going to be all these circumstances, but the lesson is to stay top of mind. And that that works for B2B brands as well. So how can brands find a way to link themselves to pop culture in a way that doesn't feel 
corny because I think that's a risk here, right? It's like someone listens to this podcast and they're like, actually, you know what? Maybe we are a little bit stale in our messaging. You know, let's just find a way to link up agricultural industrial equipment brand to the latest Mulan movie from, from <laughs> Disney Plus, right? It just doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. So what would be your advice to someone listening to this who thinks actually, you know what? Pop culture maybe is a way that I can elevate my brand, but I want to do so in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's a, a risk that a lot of people take and, and sometimes get wrong is it, it can't be forced. I saw a brand the other day, uh, not to drag them or anything, but it was a pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals company and they were trying to tweet during the bachelorette, which I don't know, you have to really look at your audience and understand who they are and what would resonate th- with them. So just if it feels forced and awkward, it probably is. Um, I saw a good example that HubSpot did, which I thought worked well. They, uh, they did a, a post on the anniversary of the movie You've Got Mail, and mm. they talked about what it would look like today if they used HubSpot. Like, that seems like a natural fit. One, you know, they could talk about that movie probably any day, but the fact it was also the anniversary, it made it feel less forced, like it wasn't just a shot in the dark. So look at look at the cultural holidays, look at anniversaries. Those will give you a little bit more of a, of a topical um, element to these and, and relevancy. But yeah, go with your gut. If it feels forced and like you're just trying to get more eyeballs on things, it's probably not the right move. You have to know your audience and make sure it makes sense. It's reminding me of, a, of an episode of B2B Better I recorded a couple of weeks ago, which was with a company called Trainual. Um, and I interviewed their mm-hmm. CMO, Jonathan Ronzio. And uh, we recorded an episode on how Trainual had found a way to link their solution, which effectively is a piece of software that allows companies to create employee handbooks, you know, so mm-hmm. new, new starter, you know, how does the business run? Where do you find things? Who do you need to talk to? That kind of thing. Um, and they'd found a way to link their brand to a TV show that I know you are exploring, or I hope you're, you're exploring called The Office. The US oh, a Office. little known show. Yes. <laughs> that little, yeah. That little known gem of comedy. Um, and they'd essentially hired three of the actors from the US office to semi revive their roles and record a very short 60 second um, ad just talking about some of the benefits of of Trainual. And Mm -hmm. um, I'll put a link to the episode uh, in the description of this podcast for anyone that's interested in in, in hearing it. Um, And Jonathan talks through exactly how it all came to be and how they started working with, how they got in touch with them and how they worked with them and all that kind of stuff. So cool. It was, it, it was a very clear link to the question that they, as a company, are trying to solve and pop culture, right? You know, The yeah. Office US, it's about, for anyone who doesn't know, it's about a fairly dysfunctional office of people who sell paper. <laughs> it's, just, it's just hilarious. And then you had three of the actors semi-reviving their roles, as I say, and kind of linking what were attributes of their characters, you know, being lazy or being a little bit dumb or, you know, being an alcoholic <laughs> to problems that Trainual were helping solve. And to me, that was just like a real harmonious link between a brand and pop culture 
that yes. made perfect sense, right? You watched it and you were like, I get this. It's, it's, mm-hmm. They're not trying to force anything here. Um, there's a very clear link. And it did phenomenally well. I think it got 20 million views. I think it was shared 26,000 times. They got 2,000 new accounts off the back of it. Um, just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Because they linked it to something familiar, something people were genuinely interested in. Yeah. That sounds like, like the perfect fit. <laughs> the office is such a perfect example for B2B brands and references that they could make. You know, you think about Slack or really just any brand, it's, it's an office environment. So <laughs> there have to be Absolutely. those links there. Yeah. And the thing cool. is, the thing is, is that they were able to not just limit it to the video, but actually were able to incorporate uh, that story across a bunch of their other marketing and product marketing materials. So they had the video, um, they created a bunch of blog posts that kind of were tied to the office and, and moments from the TV show, the office. Um, and again, featuring, you know, tying them to features of the product. Um, I believe they built out demos of their solution that had, you know, the office characters as personas within them. So it was like, oh, wow. um, it started fairly small, you know, 60 second ad, very quick turnaround. And then it just kind of like grew into this kind of multi-channel, multi-pronged pop culture association that's continuing to pay dividends to this day. Just fantastic example. (laughs) So where would you start if you were a B2B marketer in trying to incorporate pop culture into your marketing strategy? Particularly if you were trying to build like the business case, right? Maybe you've got a CEO that um, is a little bit on the fence about the idea and is saying, all right, well, start small, prove it to me. You know, what would, where would you start? Well, I know it's kind of a marketing 101 answer, but know your audience, first of all, know what types of messages and references they would understand um, and go from there and start making those connections and looking for where those natural links are, as you mentioned. But as far as what to say to a boss or someone who would be kind of apprehensive about going this route, I just always talk about Seth Godin and how he says that being risky is safe and being safe is risky. And I think there's a lot of that in B2B is just these safe, informative kind of vanilla messaging. And you have to do something to shake things up. And I think the creative curve, as I mentioned earlier, really explains why it works and what justifies it is you're you're presenting something new with a layer of familiarity and as you mentioned, that's what's going to make things shareable. That's what's going to resonate with people. And that's what's going to make them remember you. So especially if everything you're already doing is kind of falling flat, why not take that risk? Why not try it and and go from there? In terms of places that you can try it, for me, I think, you know, social media is obviously a, a, an obvious channel to, yeah. um, to, to, to test it out, particularly on things like Instagram, right? Because Instagram lends itself to being a little bit more culture focused, I guess, for B2B mm-hmm. brands, you know, putting a face, put a, putting a more human face um, that maybe is missed a little bit on LinkedIn and Twitter, which is primarily, you know, I'm generalizing here, but primarily um, reserved for kind of product messaging yeah. or service messaging. So, you know, using social media, it's just low effort, potentially high impact. I saw Fast the other day, you're familiar with Fast on from yeah. the marketing Twitter world. You know, they yes. were they're just killing it on social. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I was on their TikTok and I saw that they had done their own version of the Ocean Spray Fleetwood Mac video, but in, uh-huh. in, in their fast hoodies. Um, oh, of course. Which, which they sell a lot of by the sounds of mm-hmm. things. And, you know, it probably took 10 minutes 
to make, but you can immediately start seeing the results. And if it doesn't work, just pull it down, right? It, you know, no, mm-hmm. no, no harm, no foul. There's no reason to say, like you, you mentioned a little bit memes earlier, mm-hmm. which also, which earlier today, actually, I heard someone call them memes, but that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's, that's another podcast episode. That's maybe. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, memes, they're a great way for a B2B brand to kind of start dipping their toes. They can use client reviews, testimonials, you know, on Twitter recently, there's been the kind of how it was, how it's going. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of options out there for B2B brands who are just wanting to kind of test the waters when it comes to pop culture and using it to elevate their messaging. It doesn't need to be hiring Matthew McConaughey, you know, to do, (laughs) though I'm sure we'd all love that. Um, it doesn't have to be as big as that. It can be fairly light touch, wouldn't you say? Right. And I love that you bring up the fast example because I'm sure they did that right at the height of when that was going viral. Whereas if they did it today, I mean, it's, I mean, we're still kind of talking about it, but it's obviously not as relevant as it was then. So I think there's a lot of pressure when you're incorporating pop culture to always do what's currently trendy. And then that creates this need for speed. And especially if you're new to this, it you don't want to really let speed compromise the result if you're not familiar with how to go about this and use pop culture. So that reminds me of another tip is if you're just starting out, maybe go the nostalgia route for a bit um, and, and revive uh, something old or, or like HubSpot did. They did it on the 20th anniversary of You've Got Mail. So then you don't feel that pressure to be on trend in that moment if, you're not, if you haven't flexed that muscle yet. So look, before I let you go, I want to ask you uh, a final question, which is, okay. you know, what, do you think is the, what do you think is the business benefit of stepping outside your comfort zone and taking more creative risks? If you're boring your audience, they're ignoring you. So the more that you can take creative risks and do something that stands out, you know, zig while everyone else is zagging, that's what's going to catch their attention. And that's always what we're in it for is, is for your audience's attention. Because if you don't have it, you're, you're wasting your time, you're wasting their time. So take those creative risks because it usually means you're doing something creative. You're doing something that's not going to bore them. That's going to make them interested and hopefully even share your content with their friends, with their colleagues, with other businesses. A creative risk in my mind is always worth it. Brown, this has been a great podcast uh, episode. I really enjoyed recording it with you. Um, I think, you know, anything that can help B2B brands, you know, think outside the box to achieve their goals um, is is much needed. And I think you've given us some great insight on that front. Um, for anyone who's interested in taking part in Pop Chat or learning more about you, yeah. what, can they, what can they do? Yeah, so Pop Chat is every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. We do a recap of the pop culture news for the week. So we, of course, have talked about Ocean Spray and all that a few weeks ago. But it's just a fun way to talk about marketing, but in the context of things that we're watching and things that we're listening to, just things that we love. So for me, it's a a really fun way to learn and to get to know our community. And we do need more voices out there about B2B. So I would love that perspective. So Fridays at 1 p.m., you can follow me at Brianne2k on Twitter. Excellent. Brianne, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed having you on B2B Better. Likewise. Thank you so much. 
And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. A huge thank you again to Brianne for joining me today. I highly recommend that you carve out an hour of your time every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern to take part in her famous pop chat. It's really, really fun. It's how I got back into, into Twitter. Um, I suggest you sign up to her mailing list. You follow her on Twitch. She started doing that now, which is really exciting. And also listen to her podcast, Making the Brand. If you found this episode useful, you can go ahead and leave a rating or review. Uh, subscribe, follow, or just shoot me a DM on Twitter and tell me what you thought. It'll make my day. And if you've got any questions or there's a burning topic you'd like to hear me talk about on B2B Better, you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason R. Bradwell, or I'm also on LinkedIn. And don't forget the B2B Byte, the weekly newsletter where I break down B2B marketing stories into actionable fun size chunks is now live. Link to subscribe is in the description of this podcast. See you next time.